Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today I have with me Adam Rydell, who is head of people at OneScreen. Welcome, Adam. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about what you do and why you do it. Yeah, I joined uh, OneScreen relatively recently. Um, I've been there. I just celebrated six months. Um, and when you're in a startup world um, like we are, six months is about six years. Um, uh, and it feels like it some days. Um, and, uh, I do what I do, you know, I made the transition from HR to people and I'll talk a little bit about why I make that distinction. Um, intentionally, I, I, I wanted to be in a role that, um, focused on, on empathy and, and, um, vulnerability and creating safe places and different types of work um, work environments for people. Um, and I think that's what pe- the, the people operations side does versus HR, which I still have the, that, that responsibility because that to me, that's your making sure people get paid, making sure you're compliant, making sure all those things um, happen and are in place and are, are certainly important. I don't want to minimize them, but um, being able to be on the people side now and really focus on creating these awesome experiences for everybody that um that works for us is uh, i mean it, it's a pleasure it's a pleasure to get up every day and um work towards that goal of of maximizing the that work-life integration for everybody that works at one screen yeah that's amazing so we have a lot to talk about today and you mentioned empathy and that is a big topic um but first i want to get into your thoughts uh about undoing the damage that was you know, set in terms of, you know, compliance or rigidity. Um, let's talk about that and your thoughts on, you know, what HR has to repair. Yeah, I think, you know, I, pandemic was obviously it was a horrible thing. Globally, it was a horrible thing. But there was definitely some lessons learned and some aha moments, I think, for all of us. And um, for me, it was realizing that all of us as workers who have worked for companies big and small, we, we sort of get entrenched in um, this world of, of work. And, um, you know, what, what I'm trying to do and what we're trying to do at one screen is kind of reverse basically all this, the, these accumulated teachings of, of what these companies have been telling us. And that is that life comes a distant second to your work and work needs to be your primary focus. And, um, what a horrible way to live. And I think a lot of us live for much of our careers. Um, and certainly, I mean, I mean, that's not to say we don't work very hard at one screen. We do. I mean, you're, when you're at a startup, you're, you're working very long days, very long weeks. Um, but we also recognize that life happens and life needs to happen and it needs to be a priority. For example, I was in um, a few weeks ago, I had a family member pass away and we, the first meeting of our executive leadership team as, as a team, um, the, the, the next day, I was supposed to leave the next day. And my boss, um, I report to our CEO, Sam, and he said, if, if you need to go back to Chicago to be with your family, this meeting is not important. Um, and that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of workplace that we're trying to create is that your family, your life, your health whether that's physical, emotional, mental, that all takes priority. And we're really mm-hmm. often this, this, this idea of work-life balance. And I hate that phrase because when you're balancing something, something usually has to give. 
Um, but when you integrate things and they can they can really live in harmony together, then you're really creating something that's meaningful for both the company and the and, and the worker and and their life outside of out of work. Yeah, Adam, I offer my sincerest condolences. I'm so sorry, um, you know, about that tragic loss. How? It was great to be back with family to celebrate celebrate a great man's life. So thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So as a human, how did that make you feel when your boss said that to you? Well, you know, I've been here, like I say, only six months, and I'm still mm-hmm. in the mindset of, having to ask permission for everything. Mm-hmm. Almost like I, when you, in past lives, it was almost like asking permission to, hey, I had a family member die. Is it okay if I attend the services? Um, hey, I yeah. have a doctor's appointment. Is it okay if I'm not around for a couple of hours? And that doesn't, and I, and I, my boss, he'll tell you, I, I, I posted about it on LinkedIn that I made a mistake with him when I asked for some time off. And the look that he gave me, I said derision. I forget what he said it, it really was, but it was like this, are you kidding me? You're asking for time off? Take time off. Um, you don't have to ask permission for these things. It's it's a benefit we have available. Um, use it. Take advantage of it. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but even for me, as somebody who who evangelizes this, this type of environment, I'm still breaking down the teachings of 20 plus years of working in the corporate world. Um, yeah. so it, it, it's taking me some getting used to. So I imagine as the people person, I can, I have a big job ahead of me to help people who don't come with my mindset. Um, you know, my, 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 um, team in operations and finance and, and every other department to help them recognize that you come first and, and mm-hmm. you, because you're burnt out or you're overwhelmed, um, that does more harm to us as a company than losing it one one customer or one client. Um, so we, you know, we're really working hard um, as a company as a leadership team to make sure people get you are first. Yeah. So you said a, a word that really, really lit up my brain, and that was permission, because that has been one of my biggest gripes about the working world is how often employees have to ask permission to just live their lives, you know, whether that is picking up kids, uh, you know, staying home to attend to to kids, going to appointments. Um, You know, I, I am someone who has health issues and it is, it's humiliating to ask permission to someone and disclose why I need to, you know, need access to this. It's, it's so, dehumanizing almost it is it really really is and we hire adults we hire adults and (laughs) adults are 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 very capable of managing their own time um (laughs) we know we know how hard our people are working and it and it's evidenced by their outcomes um and their successful outcomes and the product that they're producing managing their time should be up to them if they need to be out Mm -hmm. of pocket for two or three hours because they need to go pick up their child from daycare or they have a doctor's appointment i mean our philosophy at, at one screen is you don't even have to tell us about so this block out your calendar so we don't bother you not because we want to know what? but we don't want to schedule you into meetings if if you're in the middle of something that matters to you um yeah I, that whole idea of asking permission to live your life um yeah 
it, it, it's, it, it made so much sense for so much of my, my working life. But now when I think back, I, I could never go back to an environment that maintains that level of rigidity in, in how they let people work and live their lives. Yeah. So I know you hate the term work-life balance. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. Like I said, I think, you know, anytime you're balancing something, something usually has to fall. And I don't want any of my 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 teammates, as we call them at one screen, to have to make a decision between work and, and their life. Um, that's why I think integration is just a, a, a little bit better of a word, because when you're able to harmonize the two together, um, it, what a great thing for both um, when you can allow that employee to um, take the time that they need um, to rest, to relax, to explore, to challenge themselves personally and professionally. That just empowers them to, to maximize their performance for the company. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a win for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people are realizing that the eight-hour work structure, it just doesn't really work. Um, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm, produ- I'm very productive for four hours, and then I'll need a break, and then I'll need to, like, leave my house and run an errand or something or just, you know, exercise and then come back. And, um, you know, I feel like the last two years, people who have been fortunate to have that flexibility and work from home, they've really, really found how to maximize their productivity and work in ways that, you know, benefits their own brains. Absolutely. I mean, my daughter, she's, she doesn't have daycare this week. They have a couple weeks a year where the teachers get off. Thankfully, they deserve it. Um, and she's off this week. And I can tell you, right when we're done, I'm going to go spend a little bit of time with her and see what she colored for me or what she, maybe what she you know, she's for. But I sh- everybody should be able to enjoy that. And like you said, get out yeah. and go for a walk or, um, you know, go do yoga for an hour or whatever resets you and, and, and recharges you to be able to, to work the next four or five, six hours of your day. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I think the eight-hour um, workday is dead because some days we work 15 hours. Some days we might be able to get away with a few. Um, I yeah. think the five-day five work week is over, or at least that traditional Monday through Friday. Some people might have obligations that keep them busy on a Monday, and make, working on a Sunday is more convenient for them. Who cares if they're able to get their work done and and um, meet their goals and their, their the objectives set by the company? Then I Nobody at my company could couldn't care less, and I, I wish more companies would adopt that that philosophy and approach. Yeah, when I became a self employed contractor and founded you know my own business and started working with clients like Staff Geek, I I was amazed at how my schedule flexed based on what my body needed, what my brain needed. You know, when I was feeling, when I'm in moments where I'm very creative, there'll be, like you said, those longer days, those 12, 15 hours. But when I, my body's just, you know, chronic pain creeps in, then that's going to be a four or five hour day. And I'm going, I know my brain is going to focus on the most important and it's going to get it done because I have very few hours. So I think that, you know, people know their bodies and brains best and their schedules. Like you said, we are adults. We can, we can manage our time. And, that, and you said a key thing. Listen to your body. Your body is telling you when it's time to take a, a mental rest, an emotional one. Yeah. Listen to that. Um, and again, when you do and you, you have those, those mechanisms in place that help you recharge and re-energize yourself, you come back uh, ready to go and, mm-hmm. and 
knock everything out of the park. And um, tradition needs to, you know, these traditional um, workplaces and work structures, um, they need to go away. Um, the, the world mm-hmm. is in a place, it's we're more connected than ever. And I mean, certainly every company needs to, needs to decide what their cultural tone is going to be. And I'm not trying to suggest what we are doing at one screen is going to work for everybody. We're a fully remote company. We get together and we're working on ways to continue to get more and more of us together uh, because there is value to that in-person collaboration and engagement. Mm-hmm. There's no denying that. Um, but when you do that, part of it needs to be getting to know each other as people, as humans, and what motivates each other and what and what motivates them outside of work. You know, are, yeah. why it's their why, as Simon would say. <laughs> so I want to talk about that radical empathy, um, you know, that you're you're very passionate about um, myself as well. Um, so I know that you mentioned you came from a very corporate background. Um, I know and I know that, you know, had a lot to do with how you work now. So can you kind of give a little bit of an overview of how, you know, that background turned you uh, into someone who focuses on that radical empathy? Yeah, when you when you work for these larger companies and and I thank them because they've they've helped influence the person I am, the professional I am. So I'm very grateful for every experience I've had. But when you have those types of environments and and they've been around as long as they have, there's still a lot of that mentality of the workforce of the 1950s and 60s where rules mm-hmm. dictated everything because that 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 sense of micromanagement mattered. And yeah. needing to know what everybody was doing minute by minute, um, mandatory. Yeah. Um, so, you first, I don't you. There's, it's impossible to lead without empathy, and it's impossible yeah. to create an empathetic environment if you yourself aren't in touch with your own emotions and your own vulnerabilities, and creating these psychologically safe places for everybody in your workforce to do the same. Um, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of misidentify empathy as sympathy um, mm-hmm. and empathy is, is not always having the answer it's not always being able to identify exactly with the situation but making sure people know that what they're feeling is okay um, and what they're thinking is okay and that thinking and emotions matter in the workplace um, there's no way mm-hmm. around and that's what I think leading with empathy is is being able to understand to listen um, and to listen to understand and empathize, not to respond, not to think you need to have the mm-hmm. answer. Often when people come to you and want to talk to you, they're not looking for your advice or your counsel. They just want to know that somebody's listening. Yeah, that's a that's a really great way to put it. Um, so you mentioned empathy needs to be at the core of who you are at as a leader, um, you know, what, what does it look like when there's leadership that doesn't focus on empathy? It, it looks like a workforce of, of, of a complete lack of engagement. Mm-hmm. It looks like an environment of, of significant turnover. Yeah. People work for people. They follow people. They want to be led by people, but they want to be led by people who care about them, that will listen, that will understand, um, that creates an experience where, um, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to have moments. Um, I, I worked for a, a woman who I learned a lot from. 
Um, and but a situation came up and it, it was really it was difficult for me. And I and, and she asked me what I what I I thought needed to happen next. And I started going into how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. And she just she put up her hand and said, I didn't ask how you feel. I asked what you think we should do. And it, that was one of my aha moments. Like, that's not leading. Yeah. You need to let people um, we're, we're human before we're anything else. I, I tell people at work that all the time. Before you're an employee, before anything else, you're, an, you're a human being. You're built with emotions. Your chemistry dictates that. Um, and that was one of my aha moments that that's not who I want to be. I want yeah. people to be able to express um, how they feel um, and how situations, even if it is work-related, um, when you lose somebody that you've developed a, a working and um amiable working relationship with you have a feeling associated with that and again i think you when you let people have that that emotion in the workplace and create that safe environment for that to be a part of who you are and it's part of your culture um that's the difference that's the difference maker when you lack all of that again it's it say goodbye to your best workers when you when you yeah. don't focus on them when you don't let them be human yeah. And I even had a boss, you know, respond similarly to to me. I was coming off of a, a very toxic uh, work environment where I had anxiety. I had so much anxiety around my performance because it was nitpicked um, and just because the leadership was unpredictable. So now I move into a more stable environment where it's like, OK, this is stable, but I didn't uh, address any of, you know, the the anxiety, the the work PTSD. So that all yeah. came with me, and I froze. And so, yeah. um, you know, obviously, I don't want to tell a boss, um, you know, all my personal details, especially when I'm a new employee. But when she kept asking, like, "Why can't you get this? I don't understand. Why can't you get this?" Like, I finally had to break down and tell her the truth. And it's just like, you know, I'm having a really hard time transitioning from a toxic situation into a situation that's a little bit more stable and less chaotic. And her response was, well, that's not my responsibility to handle. You need to tell HR. And I I was like, okay, well, you want to know why? And I'm giving you the reason why this is happening and helping you to connect the dots. And I'm being shut down. Um, and you know, that obviously did not work out in the long run. I was uh, let go from that, that position, which a blessing because I'm now doing my best work and happiest work. But you know, that really, I looked at that and was like, you know, if someone came to me and said that I'd be like, oh, wow, like this person is struggling and there are small things that I can do to reassure them or, um, you know, help them instead of just shutting them down. Yeah. And, you know, and I've had those experiences and, and we've, we've obviously both shared them now. And, you know, I had to spend the first 20 years of my career in that environment and I will never tolerate it again. Um, yeah. And I'm not I don't think anybody's naive enough anymore to think that, oh, I, I love my, my job. I love my company. I love the people I work with, but it's naive to think, mm-hmm. oh, I'm better here. That just doesn't happen yeah. anymore. But I know one thing's for certain. I won't work for an environment that goes back to what I am trying to undo myself and psychologically undo. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy, you know, with, I have the exact opposite of what you just described with my supervisor that he, 
we create this, we've created this relationship of honesty and transparency so that we can remove those roadblocks because when things are going on externally, uh, you know, at home and with your, with your health or your family, they, it, it interferes with, with your work and you, you can't perform at your highest level. And we recognize that and, you know, he and I, and we, we together, you know, with other people at the company, are, have worked really hard to create this environment of honesty, transparency, where you can talk about these things as much as you're comfortable sharing um, so that we can work on solutions um, to, to overcome them so that you can find that harmony between work and life and do what you need to do personally um, as well as professionally. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for that relationship and um, him that, him that also not tolerating um, these walls that people put up yeah. and like helping each other connect the dots so that we can work better together and and be better at solving solving for the future here at one screen as well yeah and you know you said connect the dots and that's exactly what it is because if someone isn't performing to you know their their resume what their resume says or to their previous potential that you've seen then something's yeah. probably wrong and it's okay to dig a little deeper and see, okay, well, let's see what the root of the problem is um, so we can, you know, help you. Um, and something I want to uh, talk about with you is an example that you shared about how you worked with someone who was experiencing burnout and you were, yeah. you know, there and supported them. Yeah. Yeah. We had somebody who um, was just, they, they met their max and we had the warning signs and, I, I, you know, I, I wish we would have responded a little bit more more quickly, um, but I, I feel that we did. I mean, we responded as I think as appropriately as we could when it really became evident that um, we needed to address this. We needed to talk talk to him, listen to him, understand where he's coming from, the concerns. And once we had that that meaningful conversation and understood what was going on outside of work as well as as the overwhelming amount of work that was going on um, at work, we were able to, to make some some changes that accommodated what he needed, both personally and professionally. And um, he's now, he's going, he's moved into some other positions and um, is experiencing different facets of the business now. Um, and he's, he's finally finding that harmony that I've been talking about between his work and his life. And it just took a conversation. I had a, I just, was a Tuesday, I had a situation that I was dealing with that I had a very honest conversation with my boss. And by the end of that conversation, we walked away with resolution. Um, and it's, it, it, again, it's just, you have to have these conversations, these meaningful conversations, but you can, you can only have those conversations when you've created that, that empathetic environment where you yourself are in touch with your own emotions and have created or, or allow people to be vulnerable. Um, and because we've created that environment between the two of us and we, we work very hard to, to do it globally at our company, we're able to have those conversations um, and, and, and find resolution rather quickly. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a trend, especially in more toxic places, 
where everyone is always comparing who has it worse. So if you're struggling, the response is often, well, I'm dealing with this, this, and this. So, yeah. (laughs) So I feel that's, you know, that's become a very toxic response to to people who are struggling in the workplace. And that right there to me is the difference between understanding what sympathy is and empathy. If I want somebody to sympathize, Mm -hmm. I'm wanting that reassurance that I'm not alone, that they're, that, that, that somebody's gone through something the same or they're going through something worse. But when I come to you to say, this is what's going on, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for somebody yeah. to listen, to be an ear, to understand. And again, to listen, to listen, and to understand, not to respond. And try and one, that one-upmanship. Up, um, my husband, is thankfully, has a very flexible schedule like I do. And he's able to, to watch our, our daughter and through, through this week. And I did it to him. I recognized that I did it last night. And and after I finished with my day and he said, oh, was, you know, she was very active today. She was very clingy, wanted to be with me all day. And it was just, it was a really long day. And I immediately said, oh, me too. It was just such a long day. And I realized right away, I shouldn't have said that. He was trying to tell me mm-hmm. that it was a, it was a rough day. Not, not that yeah. she was a handful, but that she was very energetic and wanted a lot of attention and moved from one station of the house to the other kind of thing. And <laughs> I recognized um, right away that I sh- that shouldn't have been my response. And I sh- it should have been, what can I do? Um, how can mm-hmm. I and, um And again, I mean, that partnership that we have, it translates well into to work. I don't know, though, that yeah. I would have had that self-awareness if it wouldn't have been for the environment that we're creating here at OneScreen. I, I oh, think wow. I, I think I would have been ignorant to my response um, still, and not recognize that I should have had a much different response. Wow! So that that positive culture is even seeping into you know your own relationship in a positive way. That's that's really awesome. <laughs> so I want to you know talk, go back to the the person who was experiencing burnout. Um, you know, what were some key ways that you helped them get to a better place? Well, we this is going to sound. We forced them to take time off. Um, we, 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 there, we we again reiterated that we would rather risk missing a deadline or or not winning that customer if mm-hmm. it means you get that time off that you so desperately need and deserve. Um, and it actually that, that was one of them, and it actually inspired us to retool our, um, or at least it inspired me to retool our. Um, unlimited PTO policy to require everybody that take to take at least three weeks off. Um, that you know, so we built in a requirement that burnout is real. Um, so yeah. Um, we recognized that he needed to be challenged in different ways at the company as well, and worked with we, the leadership team. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and take the credit. The leadership team recognized this, and and found a way to to do that to challenge him in a new way for him to get that exposure to new sides of the business. Um, we recognized because of what he said to us that we needed more help in, in the specific function. Mm-hmm. So we immediately started sourcing new people to join the organization. We, and we continue to do that. Um, you know, he, he, again, I, by creating that, that honest relationship with him, he felt very comfortable sharing what was wrong? And, and and he didn't do it in a critical way. He did it in a, I want all of us to be successful. I want this company mm. to be successful. I want me to be successful. 
this is what I need. Um, and it's, and he laid out very reasonable terms. Um, you know, it, it's not like he was asking for something, um, way out of left field. Um, and, and I, I think he was, I know he was very appreciative of our quick, immediate response as a company. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, someone who's experienced really crushing burnout myself, I was so desperate for if, if my, if my boss told me you could take time off, oh, that that's all I would need. I just, you know, like just a break to not have to be part of, you know, like daily stress. <laughs> I, I'll share with you years ago, um, I got very, very ill. And, but I kept working. I didn't take any time. And oh. my body finally told me I needed, I needed a week. I just needed a week to, yeah. to rest and, and, and focus on my, my health. And I, I told my boss this and got a completely um, uninterested response and mm. said, well, I guess it's okay, but go ask XYZ if it's okay. Somebody who was really a peer of mine. And I felt so defeated. And so, mm. and, um, one of the, 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 the cultural tenets here is, is that we care. Um, and care needs to be brought back into the workplace. It's, it's mm-hmm. been, and it can't be under the guise of, of checking it up on people. Checking in is one thing, but checking up on people um, is a whole other thing. It needs to be meaningful. It needs to be thoughtful. Um, mm-hmm. Now, how do you define checking up on people? Um, checking up is, it's that, it's that big brother. It's, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you, you told me you were doing this, but are you really doing this? Checking yeah. this is, is, hey, you have everything you need. Do you, do you, are you missing any resources or tools to, to be successful? That's checking in on people. Checking in is, how are you doing? Not, how's your work doing? How are you doing? Um, checking up is only being focused on, um, on the, the work and their work product. Yeah, that is a huge distinction. And I think they, they often get confused or, yeah. 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 Um, thank you for making, you know, that distinction aware, you know, our audience aware of that because I, I wasn't aware. So that was, um, you know, a nice little tidbit to learn. Yeah. So Adam, this has just been a, a wonderful conversation. I am so grateful for people like you in the world, um, that are taking bad experiences that they've had in the past and creating amazing experiences for other people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so awesome to see. Well, and thank you for for AA um, inviting me to do that about this. I, I I love talking about this. I love talking about my company and 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 the culture we're trying to create. And listen, we're not perfect. We fail every day. We make mistakes every day. Um, we like to think that we're we're um, really good at learning and and um, we fail forward, uh, but we yeah. fail. We make mistakes, but we take ownership of it. Um, but thank you for, you know, sharing some of your, your history and being vulnerable that way. And you yourself taking charge of your own future and not settling um, and, and just demanding more for yourself. I, everybody needs to do that. Everybody needs to take a look at their current situation. And if, if it's not as healthy as what we've been talking about, they need to think about that. They need to think about what next and if you're in an environment like we both share that we've been in, get out. Get yeah. out. You, owe, you don't owe a thing to anybody except yourself and those that you, you care about and that you love that, that matter most to you. Put yourself yeah. 
Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. So if people want to learn more about you, um, get in touch, um, share tips on how to be more empathetic leaders, how could they connect with you? Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I love to connect and network. Um, and it's pretty easy. My last name is kind of spelled weird. It's not R-I-E. It's R-E-I. So it's pretty easy. Um, or email me. You can email me at adam at onescreen.ai and happy to, to, to have more conversations on this with somebody who who maybe is in an environment that they just mm-hmm. need to go to. And, and talk to somebody who will just listen. Um, I will only give advice if you ask for it. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, so please reach out. Amazing. Well, if you or anyone you know are like Adam that wants to make the workplace a more positive environment for people, reach out to me, Lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.